name is Linda McHenry. I'm host of The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Michael Keith. How are you, Michael? I'm great, and it's good to be here with you, Linda. Glad to have you. We're going to talk about all kinds of good things. You're going to talk about writing in academia, writing short stories, how you move from one to the other and bring your transferable skills and all that kind of stuff. Um, but first, tell us about your radio background and how that got you into writing. Yeah, you know, uh, right out of the service at 20 years old, I went into radio as an announcer and producer and whatnot. And I spent a dozen years there, but I always had a kind of a hankering to uh, enter academe. So I did my grad school and whatnot. And being an academe, you are expected to produce, publish or perish. So I began uh, writing about uh, uh, what I knew best. That's what Hemingway says, write about that which you are most familiar. So I wrote about radio. And as fate would have it, the first major textbook that I wrote became the most widely used and popular in the country. And that set me off on kind of a, uh, a run of doing many textbooks and many monographs over the next decade or so. So and that big book was it. the radio station, right? Yeah, the radio station, which as a matter of fact, was used in Indonesia. And in, uh, I went to Russia because they used the book in Moscow mm -hmm. and whatnot. So it was a good, good experience. Now I always had a hankering for what you'd call pure creative writing, imaginative writing, but that led me to write my first quasi-creative book, uh, a memoir. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that in the early 2000s. The book was published by a wonderful press called Algonquin. It was a great experience. The book uh, was reviewed in 30 or 40 venues around the country from everything from uh, USA Today to Vogue and, and whatnot. And the title is The Next Better Place, right? The Next right? Better Place. And it was kind of a writer's fantasy to have something like that happen. <laughs> but when all of that died down, I decided... I'm done with academic writing, too many strictures. I need the freedom to, to explore uh, so many areas of the imagination. And I began writing short stories. Initially, I wrote short stories uh, that appeared in journals and in webzine. And I think I actually ended up publishing about 500 short stories oh, wow. in those venues. Some of them appeared in anthologies of the various webzines and journals. I have a shelf over there that's full of them. And then I decided, you know, rather than do that, it's such busy work, let me collect my stories together and put them in a, an anthology, a published collection, which I did and I sent out to small publishers and it was a good experience and, and, and have published the books you see in back. Uh, these are <laughs> yeah. all my books of uh, fiction, collections of fiction. And so it's been, you know, very stimulating, exciting. And, and I've realized what I really wanted to do, and that's to write fiction and to see it, uh, it, it published. Is that your creative outlet? You need to have it that is. outlet. Now, can you share with us the difference? Now, the thing is obviously writing for academia and writing short stories is different. How do you think you were equipped to do one or the other, or even for other people to go from, you know, back and forth? What do you think are the commonalities, the things that the skills and the, the perspectives, other than obviously the creative outlet and you have to write? 
Well, I was motivated with academic writing, essentially to keep my job. Mm -hmm. uh, the writing urge was there. So it wasn't a terrible stretch or an inconvenience to begin writing. And I had ideas for books that had to do with my field, media, mm -hmm. that I think were original. And because I hadn't seen any of the titles out there, yet I saw a need for them to be out there. So I just made the uh, transition into academic writing, inspired by two things, my 12 years in the medium of radio and my desire uh, that, that has existed since I was a kid to see my words in print <laughs> in between covers. Uh, so that was very satisfying for a long time. I co-authored a book that appeared on President Clinton's uh, official summer reading uh, list had, uh, you know, some uh, unusual titles. I wrote the first book ever that examined indigenous radio, okay. Indian radio, and then did a book uh, that looked at underground radio in the hippy-dippy 60s uh -huh. uh, called Voices in the Purple Haze. Uh -huh. And so I was, in a sense, exploring my creative urges, but writing for an academic market in doing so. And I think that's what contributed to my becoming the most prolific author in the area of radio studies. Uh, and, and that was gratifying in many ways. But when I did the memoir, it just shifted my gears. You know, I went a different path, the path of creative writing. The memoir, as Tony Early says, is a combination of memory and imagination. And so it was exactly that. It allowed me to, to kind of flex my, uh, my uh, uh, unfettered creative urges, which uh, academic writing really didn't. No, you, you no know. it doesn't. You have guidelines, you know, yeah, from yeah. writing. Well, even technical uh, stuff, right? There's specific things you have technical. to write. You're right, write, you're right to spec, basically. And that's essentially what I was doing with these textbooks, writing to spec. I knew what the audience wanted. I knew what they, the acad what the professors wanted. And, and so you fold into that. So it was a breath of fresh air to begin writing something that I didn't have any, any, uh, anybody breathing down my neck saying, oh, no, you've got to make sure you do this and make sure you do this. But after I did the, uh, the memoir, I realized I can't go back to academic writing. Yeah. I just can't, you know, despite the success I'd had there, I want to go off in that uh, fiction and creative direction. But something I really want to ask you, you listen to different people, only write what you know, you have to use your imagination. Sounds to me like your comfort zone is writing what you know and using your imagination. So taking what you know and then expanding upon that. I think a lot of it is, but I think feeling uh, drives a lot of my my observation of the world, dealing with the foibles of human existence, you know, looking at uh, the, the behavior in all its manifestly weird forms of we as human beings, I find that I have a means of expressing that sort of thing in various formats. In the last two or three years, I've really focused on writing uh, microfiction or maybe a more literary term would be prose poems. You know, stories of very short length, ranging from one sentence to a paragraph, yet despite their concise length, if they're done right, they convey something in full, 
something complete, often through humor, often through irony, often through angst. Mm -hmm. My goal really is to, uh, to make a piece ping. That's my own term, ping. Uh -huh. A story achieves ping from my perspective by conveying something evocative, meaningful, profound, in as compact a way as possible. So it resonates, words, right? It resonates. Yes, it yes. resonates. Something. But that's still what you know because it's what you know in your heart. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's what you know kinesthetically. It's, it's what I believe. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's an a priori situation because what you believe is something you know. <laughs> right. Right. But I think what's really neat about it is you take what you know, you take what you believe, and then you paint it with your imagination yes and it acquires depth and color and sound and all that kind of stuff a whole lot of different creativities what advice would you give to people then because i've heard a lot of writers say well gee i only write cozies or i only write crime fiction or i only write short stories i, I don't know if i can do that i mean obviously you have to have the confidence to do it but what else do you need to have to be able to write something else simply the desire to do it I think the desire to do it is the biggest part of it. If you have that drive, that burning desire to write in something, you've got to do it. And you're going to, and you know, I think, I think you're going to do it. You've got to, you know, as Joseph Campbell said, you've got to follow your bliss. Yeah. You know, I really didn't realize I was a short story writer until after uh, uh, writing the memoir. In fact, you know something, I almost never read short stories never read short stories. And then all of a sudden I discovered that I was a short story writer. It was almost by serendipity or accident. Uh, one morning I woke up and, and I just had this, this thought in mind that stemmed from my relationship with my recently deceased mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, that afternoon the story was written. And I was shocked that I could write this story and that it seemed to hold up pretty well. And when I realized that, I was giddy with that realization because I thought, wow, I can write more of these, I, you know, and, and I'd love to be a short story writer. That's how it all started. Well, and I suppose, too, then, as writers, we could do an academic exercise, try writing a lot of different types of work in different genres and different lengths and see what feels right. Oh, sure, that, that, that's true too. I, I think innately we know what's right. I think we know sometimes, what's right. I, I don't know that I agree because sometimes we want something so badly, we don't recognize what we need to do. You know, the want versus the need. You have in yeah. your mind what it is you should write or what it is you think you wanna write. And there's other influences on us. So most of us or many of us or some of us, I don't know what the, what the numbers are, I haven't done a, study. So it's not, you know, it's not official, but I think some of us always just know what it is we want, but I agree. sometimes we let our minds mess <laughs> with, with yeah. the organic process. Absolutely. I think it's a process of reduction. I, you know, when I started writing, I'm writing textbooks. How far are they away from writing short stories and fiction? You and me both. But just the process of learning how to structure, stylize, to essentially immerse myself in the discipline of writing strengthened me, but because that urge to write lyrically, poetically, et cetera, was always there, it moved me and it gave me confidence that, you know, that I could put a sentence together. Yeah. And then I put my toe in the water of creative writing 
but started with the memoir that's kind of a safety zone because it's supposed to be kind of factually based, such as academic books, uh -huh. but then it absolutely allowed me to explore a more imaginative sense of that time in my life and see the poetry and lyric that was there and the story that was there. Well, and you know, what's funny is I've attempted short stories a couple times and I wrote one and it's never gotten anywhere. And I took a completely different tack with it. So I started with mystery one and funny, you mentioned that you wrote a story about your mother who passed. That was my story that made it to the writer's digest a finalist for the short story compilation oh, and, and, nice. and it's published in the compilation in 2017. But what's funny is like you said, you take the basic, you know, the heartbreak that you're losing your mother. And the thing that was really weird is as I was writing it, the voice of me wasn't me. It was this woman without a whole lot of education, but it wasn't me, but I felt who she was. That's one of the things I've been playing around, trying to hit on that same feeling with the short stories. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think it allows you that. And, and, and I suspect that if you try writing a bunch of different things, you'll hit on that feeling as well. well. I think uh, fiction writing requires passion. I think academic writing requires structure. <laughs> you know, you can still be creative, but you're really constrained. Yeah. You know, I like for me, yeah, I'm exactly. writing my insurance texts. I can give examples. I can be creative. But again, there's that framework that you always have to be within. With academic writing, you have to justify to publishers the value of it within the context of a classroom. Right. Within the context of that particular academic calling, if you will. You basically have to write what they want, the way they want it, but the way you want it too, which is really tough. <laughs> no, exactly that, you know. So there are two uh, uh, related experiences, but as relatives often are very different. <laughs> yes. So tell everybody what you have coming out. You have a couple more books coming out in the yeah. near future. Tell us about that before we wrap up. Yeah, okay. As a matter of fact, I did what was called a chapbook, you know uh -huh. what chapbooks are? And I had published one or two of those before, but I had spent a lot of time out in the West. I have a passion for the West. I love the topography. A friend of mine has a 20,000 acre sheep ranch. I spend time on it. And so I'd been writing little short pieces on stories set in the West. And I finally decided I'd put together in a 30 to 40 page chapbook, which is now in production at Charvina Barva Press, uh, which is a wonderful small press. And that is probably coming out next month. It's called Leaning West. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this coming year, I have a full-length book, uh, 250, 300 pages of uh, new stories mm -hmm. called Pieces of Bones and Rags mm -hmm. that'll be published by Cabal Books. And I'm also at the moment putting together what will be another book down the line, mm -hmm. uh, who knows when. Okay. I work pretty quickly. And so I suspect by the end of the year, I'll have that in completed manuscript form. And then I'll start looking for a, a publisher. Okay. Two questions. Number one, yeah. where in the West did, did you stay? What state? You know, I've been all over the West, but where the ranch was, was in Northern Wyoming near uh, Buffalo, Wyoming. Okay. Cause I lived in Montana. I lived in Western Montana for eight years. Oh, okay. So I'm with you. Yeah. I love the West. <laughs> I love it. And this was only about an hour from the Montana, albeit more Eastern yeah, part yeah. of Montana. Over by, over by Billings or wherever. And your other question? And then the other question is when 
you have your books out. Will you let me know what they are? And we can, I'll put them up on my social media and my blog post and we can have you back again. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> okay, good. So you'll come back, huh? Oh, I'll be there. Okay, excellent. Thanks for chatting with me, Michael Keith. We will uh, talk with you again soon. Fantastic. Thanks, Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.